Join me as I talk with people who express their creativity in ways that can inspire the rest of us to recognize our own creativity. And if you enjoy these conversations, please like, subscribe, and share them. Welcome to episode 33 of Creativity Conversations, and today I have the distinct pleasure of talking with Andrea Vellelli. Hi, Andy. Great to have you here. Thank you for having me, Nina. So on these Creativity Conversations, if you haven't tuned in before, we get the pleasure of having a conversation with someone who really understands the nature of creativity, knows how to embody it, and gets to share that with other people. So we compare notes about how that works and what gets in the way. I am going to read a very short bio of Andy's, and then we'll just see how the conversation unfolds from there. Andrea is a transformational coach and founder of SpreadHappy.net, which is a great name, a website and newsletter exploring your infinite potential. She's co-founder of Shift Happens. Have to be careful how I say that one. You have to be careful, so do I. (laughs) (laughs) A transformative coaching and training company specializing in personal coaching, retreats, and programs for adults and teens. Andy is a contributor to many magazines, radio, and TV, including CBS Morning News in South Florida. Yep. You are one busy gal. Yes, at at times, it feels pretty good. I'm sure it does. So I mentioned to you that I was going to pick out a couple words that jumped out at me from your website. Sure. And let's see what happens when we do that. Okay. Uh, You've had a singing career. Mm -hmm. You've produced an album. You were on tour. You have been devoted to positive change in the environment you have uh, become a spokesperson for happiness, faith, and optimism. You're a certified happiness coach, and you have created a formula for finding happiness from within. Yes. We can go anywhere from any of those, but I suppose my jumping off point would be, how did you get the ideas to do any of that? Where did they come from? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, they all came from listening to this inner voice that we all have inside. They came from a a strong sense of knowing. And I've always been pretty, not all the time, but I've always been pretty good at listening to that little nudge inside. Yeah, I didn't know that it was as reliable as I know it is. Like now I know it's 100% reliable. I didn't always know that. So there were plenty of times in my life when I did override that nudge, but primarily when it came to my own creativity in my life, I listened to this little voice that said, go there, do this, that kind of thing. And that's always been with you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And when, since you know that it's so reliable, did you always feel that way? Or did you just think sometimes it was just luck or you'd stumbled onto the right answer? I, I didn't know why I felt why I felt this pull or push, whatever you want to call it, but I knew to listen to it. I, I didn't know what it was about. I didn't know it was a 100% reliable source, but I also knew that I could trust it. Like I said, I didn't always, but I, I did know that I could trust it. I knew that, you know, it was like this something inside of me said, go there and do this. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have any hesitation about it? Did you ever think, oh, well, that's a nice idea, but I really should do something else because you were preoccupied with some other way of seeing things? I would say only in relationships. That was <laughs> that was where I didn't always <laughs> listen to the nudge. But in my own creativity, as far as business or pursuing a career, I always listened. I, I really, it's really funny when I look back on my life, like I said, in relationships, not so much, but in my own personal creativity or, you know, my direction, I listened to that nudge. I, I just did. There was just this knowing inside of me and I knew I could trust it. Mm. Didn't know why, didn't know what it was about. Yeah. And it was interesting because I see I, par- I compartmentalized it. You know what I mean? Because in relationships, yeah. I wouldn't always listen to it because I would have a lot of chatter going on and, and a lot of, um, trying to figure things out and, you know, goods and pros and cons, but I wasn't that way in, in my, in my career. 
-hmm. you know, it's interesting. I, I, and I just saw that. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have these conversations. Yeah, see something new. Well, I think that it's an, to me, this is just an endless conversation about what else is possible when we get out of the way of that intuition or inspiration or wisdom or intelligence, whatever we're calling it, something that isn't formulated by our analytical brain. And one of the things that I've seen come up for me when I've been doing something or attempting something creative, or, well, we'll talk about that definition later, but something that I haven't thought was just a logical thing that was a good idea to do is wondering how it will come across to other people. And I'm curious as to whether that's ever come into your framework as an obstacle for following that creative impulse. So, so are you saying me concerned about what someone else may think? Or maybe something, some other thing that gets in the way of your creativity? You know, I can't say that I have let too much get in the way of my creativity, which is really interesting because like I said, in other areas of my life, I didn't yeah. so much listen. Yeah. But when it came to just knowing, like I remember when I created Spread Happy, when that came up for me, I just knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew that was the name. I knew, I didn't know what it was, but I had just kind of an idea that I wanted to share with the world what I was learning and seeing. And I didn't even know there was a name for what I was going to do. And but there was a nudge that said I was going to do it. And I can remember keeping it very quiet because I thought I don't want to be influenced by outside people that are going to think I'm crazy. You know, today they wouldn't think I'm crazy, but you know, 10 or 12 years ago, it wasn't as, it wasn't, it just wasn't as big as it is today. Like it wasn't sort of a mainstream conversation like it is yeah. today. Yeah. I don't think. So I do remember wanting to keep it quiet because I didn't want to hear other people's opinion because I knew that this was what I wanted to do. Yeah. So tell us about this Spread Happy and what you're doing with it. So well, Spread Happy is the name of my company, which, you know, initially I just wanted to, I've always been, always been a lover. You know, I've always been a lover of people and I've always been very curious about people and very interested in people. I mean, ever since I was a kid, you know, I was the one who'd sit in the back of the bus with the kid that maybe nobody else wanted to sit with. I was just always that was always me. So I realized I could take that natural part of me and, and explore it in the world in a way where that's what I did every day. I didn't know how I was going to do it, yeah. but I something inside of me said, you can do this. So initially, I just started writing and blogging. I worked with um, Dr. Robert Holden, who is the creator of the Happiness Project, which at the time was the only scientifically proven method to increase your level of happiness. Right. So um, I studied with him for years and it was just wonderful. And that's where I you know, learned more, you know, more about coaching. And then I studied NLP, I became certified in that. I became certified in hypnosis, past life progression. I just sort of like went, you know, ran the gamut of learning all these different <laughs> modalities. The essence of Spread Happy is seeing the magnificence that you already are. Mm -hmm. So it has evolved into now that I have this understanding of the, the principles that were articulated by Sydney Banks, it, it has evolved in a way where now um, my husband and I do retreats called Shift Happens that are based on the principles. And the whole idea behind that came from working with one client who came to visit. We live in Florida. She lives in New York. She came to stay for a weekend. We did an immersion with her over the weekend. And after that, I said to my husband, wouldn't it be cool to be able to do this like for a group of people? Like, what fun is this? You come on vacation with one mindset and you leave with a completely different mindset, you know, where just sort of fresh thinking is available and you go home with not only feeling refreshed from your vacation, but seeing your world differently. Mm -hmm. So that's where that came from. So now Spread Happy has evolved into these retreats that we do for adults and teens called Shift Happens and other, other programming that we do. We do personal coaching, we work with businesses. So it's sort of evolved into a project, if that's the right word, where what we offer is a way home. That's what the offer is just showing you a way home. And, and that even happened organically. You know, there was sort of no rhyme or reason or, or I can't say that I, that we had a plan and said, well, let's do this. Everything's just sort of evolved over time and over continued exploring on our own, you know, continued me exploring myself. Don't you think that's how 
creativity unfolds, it has a momentum of its own. And if we get out of the way, it shows up. Not that there's never any bumps in the road, but that it has a natural momentum to it. It does. And again, that is propelled by the listening and by, you know, like you were, like you said in the beginning, not getting in the way, not letting this mess of a mind, you know, of our intellect get in the way of, of what is innately within us, which is always going to show us the, the route to, to our own evolution and our own peace of mind and happiness. Mm. So for those of you who don't know what the three principles are, it is a way of looking at the world that you might say is from the inside out rather than from the outside in. And what, what that means, if that sounds a little bit obscure, is that we are not victims of our circumstances. We are more like projectors of our reality than recipients. It's not like we, we're like cameras and just taking things in. It's more that we are projecting our um, opinions and beliefs on realities, which colors what we see and how we see it. And once we realize that, we can have a whole different quality of life. We, we realize we are the source of our own understanding, our own growth. We know how to take things less seriously, including our own thinking. And just a whole new reality opens up. I don't know if you'd like to add anything else to that. Yeah, I, it's a description of how we work. And I just found that yeah. so important to know. People say to me, well, who is this work good for? And, and I say, well, if you're breathing, it's good to know. You know, kind of important right. to know how you work if you're if we're breathing because I liken it to, and this is just my my newest metaphor that keeps coming up for me because I just bought a new car. You know, it's like you buy a new car and and the guy says, um, you know, the salesperson says to you, "Listen, spend some time with me because there's a lot of bells and whistles on this car that you're not going to be familiar with if you just leave here." And you know, then you say, "Well, I don't have time right now." And listen, I know where the gas is. I know where the brake is. I got the steering wheel. I'm okay. And then you drive the car for years and years and years with a map from the 1970s, trying to figure out where you're going. You know, you don't realize, "Oh, wait, the car has GPS. The car has all these features I did not know were available." So that's what I liken it to. If if we don't know what's available within us, we will be suffering at the mercy of of our thinking yeah. and suffering it and and believing that our feelings are telling us about the world when our feelings are just telling us how connected we are to our creativity or sort of how blind we are in the moment mm -hmm. to our creativity. That's, that's what it looks like for me. And that yeah. has taken so much off of my shoulders, you know, and, and I have to tell you this, Nina, because it just made me laugh when you said this. You said, we are not victims of circumstance. And one of the songs that I sang back in the day when I was a singer was, I'm just a victim of circumstance. <laughs> So, <laughs> so it makes me laugh because that actually did look true to me. It really did. It looked like I am a victim of the world. And to be able to see that, oh, no, wait a second, I am in the world, but I am not a victim of the world. I experience the world, but I experience it through my creativity, through this beautiful vehicle of thought in the moment that I have a relationship with based on my state of mind, that relationship's going to be different. Yeah. That takes so much pressure off of me as a human being to have to have the world be different in order for me to be okay. Yeah. And isn't it true that all of the spiritual traditions are pointing to the same thing? What gets in our way of really living life fully and appreciating what we have and the generosity of life is our thinking, our, our overactive minds, our, you know, the Buddhists call it the monkey mind. And how, since we're talking about creativity, how much that can get in our way when we're making something, whether it's writing a business report or creating a blog or making dinner or you name it, anything we put our hands to. If we are so caught up in what we're thinking about what we're doing, it's like trying to drive a car and saying to yourself, okay, remember now, shift into and slow down here. There's a stop. It's, you can't do it. Exhausting. Yeah. 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 It's so funny because Nina, I just thought about that yesterday about how when I drive, I don't think to myself, wait, where are the blinkers? Where are the windshield wipers? Where's, you know, where's the radio dial? I kind of know where it is. So 
imagine if I had to put all that thought and effort into getting into a car. I mean, that's a walking accident. And that's a metaphor for life. It's like we will be a walking accident if we are so caught up in this busyness. And we often are. Yeah. Until yeah. we realize what's going on. Still, still, even though, you know, I look in this direction every day, I have plenty of moments of chaos in this noggin here. And <laughs> I'll catch myself much quicker than I used to. Now, tell me about your programs that you have going with teens, because that sounds really interesting and yeah. very, very needed. It's so needed. Oh, my goodness. Well, I wrote a curriculum for teens maybe about eight or nine years ago, which I did run in, um, in a couple schools down in Florida. It was interesting because they ran beautifully, but it was always an issue of, you know, there was a funding issue. You know, there's so much red tape in, in the schools and yeah. this was in private schools. I mean, public schools, it's it's not easy to, to penetrate there. It's not impossible. But what I found was at the time I was spinning my wheels. So I stopped spinning my wheels because the door was not opening. And as you and I are talking about, when we listen to our wisdom, which will tell us that door is not the one to keep pushing on at the moment. That was what had happened. As I had mentioned, we have retreats called Shift Happens. And I was working with one of my clients who was a physician. She actually worked in the mental health field as well. Her daughter, she had a teenage daughter who was really having a rough time and for the past three years. And she was you know, in and out of different programs and things like that. And my client said to me, had you ever thought about doing your weekends for teens, the weekends that you do for adults. And I said, you know, it's funny, someone had mentioned it to me the year prior and I didn't, you know, it was, oh yeah, I'll get to that, I'll get to that. It just wasn't top on my list. But, you know, you hear something once, you hear it twice, and then suddenly you're like, okay, wait a second, let's, <laughs> let's do this again. We created a weekend for teens. It was phenomenal. I mean, we had some kids there that had been in their mind or in their parents' mind really suffering. And, um, you know, their parents had taken them to a psychiatrist and, you know, all kinds of things like that. And they came to the weekend, which the foundation of our weekend is all based on this understanding of the three principles, which you and I spoke of. And they had such tremendous shifts. It was mind blowing. We had a, a, a girl come, she had OCD. The first day she spent with us that the next day when she came in, she said, oh my goodness, this was a girl who wasn't going to bed until two in the morning because she had to have everything perfect in place mm -hmm. at night in her room before oh, she could my. go to sleep. She said, I fell asleep last night at eight o'clock. I didn't care that my room was messy. I slept the night through. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine the suffering that, yeah. that was going on? Yeah. So we had that kind of stuff happen. And we were like, whoa, these kids get it so much quicker than we do as adults. You know, from that, it just made so much sense. One of the parents that came had said to us, you know, can you bring this to our school? So, you know, it just, again, it, it rolled. We didn't look for mm. it. It wasn't something right. that we, you know, intentionally thought. And I had written a curriculum before, so it was something that we just sort of already had in place. We just tickled it with the principles. And, um, and that's how it started. It was literally... You know, we didn't have to knock on any doors. They they just sort of opened for us. It's wonderful. I love, and I have private teen clients and, and they're incredible because they're most of the time really, really open to seeing because again, they're so much closer to the truth than someone around my age is because I lived in story for a very long time. Yeah, I haven't yeah. lived in story nearly as long as me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, really, it's really fun and amazing. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. So here's a question for you. I, sure. I wonder how it was that these kids were willing to come to a retreat like this because you've either got kids who don't want to be labeled, don't want to acknowledge that they have a problem. And then kids that are, know they're really struggling, but if yeah. their parents are recommending it, they don't want to do it. That's a so, great question. So yeah. talk about getting in the way of an impulse that feels like a good thing to do. What do you think it is about those kids that were able to come and spend this time with you to override whatever it was in their head that said, no, I shouldn't go. This is be stupid. It won't do any good. I've heard it all before. The biggest distinction is that our weekends are not about what's wrong with you. 
Our programs are not about what's wrong with you. Yeah. Our programs are about what is right with you. What's right with you? Let's look in that direction and let, let's let that be the focus. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that really made the difference and um, also have cookies and candy and <laughs> come back. <laughs> you know, we really, we really made it fun for them. I mean, you know, we give them toys, but, but when I say toys, like things that make sense, like we give out little snow globes. And as you know, you know, a snow globe is a representation of a very busy mind. And when you turn it over, it settles on its own. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we have, you know, little chattering teeth that we give them and just lots of little fun, you know, Play-Doh, just we we made it as fun as possible and and i have to say it was really funny my husband was the one he's like look kids are coming here you better get some toys and you better get some really good snacks <laughs> so initially that's how we kept them but but um but no i mean in all seriousness you know we made it very very clear to the parents to the kids because that did come up with parents like how am i going to get my kid there that we are focusing on what you are, the gift that's within every single one of us and the essence of bringing that to life. So it's not about, I have anxiety, I have depression, I have OCD. It's like, no, no, no. It's all about, I am a gift to the world. That's what I am. And, and how, how do I exaggerate that? How do I, how do I get to experience more of that? Because guess what? When we are feeling that natural gift that we have within us, yeah. we're just going to show up differently in the world. And we're going to enjoy the world more because you and I both know when we're feeling that, you know, to, to quote Richard Carlson, we don't sweat the small stuff. Right, right. And by the way, I think that even when you're working with adults, toys and snacks are really helpful. Toys and snacks are on all of our retreats. Everyone gets a goodie bag. Trust me, yeah. uh, that's, that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and when, you know, when it's an adult thing, there's flowers and candles in the room and nice music and yummy food. And, you know, yeah, you know, it's, it's listen, it's all about having a good time. Yeah. And those things are, you know, they're things. Are they necessary? No, but they're fun. What do you think, I'm going to shift gears a little bit, but it's all connected. What do you think is the relationship between love and creativity? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is, is that love is creativity. Mm. You know, that it feels like it is of the same ilk to me. So say more about that. It, well, it's, for me, when I am really being creative, I am express, an expression of love. That's what it feels like to me. So I, you're an artist. When, when you, I'm assuming that when you are in your creative genius and you are creating your art, that it's an expression of love. It feels that way to me. And again, that, that's personal, but that was, that's yeah. what came up for me. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you on that definition. And although it may not always feel loving and easy and sweet and full, that once you're in, for me anyway, once I'm in that flow and mm -hmm. just allowing whatever wants to come through to do that very mm -hmm. thing, then yes, it's easy. There's a sweetness to it. It's only when I start looking at it and judging it or having an expectation of how it should look when it's done. You know, there's a whole litany of things that I've discovered that get in the way of, of being in that flow, just saying, okay, not up to me. There's something that wants to be expressed here. There's something very benevolent about it. It's very, you know, I said generosity earlier. I think there is something about the creative process that is more than generous. It's just overflowing. There's no end to it. It has no shut off valve unless we turn it off. Sure. Yeah. I, I feel that so deeply, like what was coming up for me is I, I know, you know, now that COVID has happened, we've created a, a lot of programs online because, you know, we kind of had, but they are in progress. You know, they're not finished products. They're shifting and changing and morphing all the time. The difference is I'm, I'm open to that. Maybe before in my life, I would have felt a frustration, but now it's like, I'm open to whatever shift happens. I'm okay with it. And it's, it feels, um, it feels very flowing to me. And I can't say that, that I, you know, I might've been in more of a state of judgment before in my life, you know, there, it would, there would have been more pressure on it for the finished product and, you know, more pushing with getting yeah. it out there, you know, and, and yeah. now it's just kind of this, 
I'll know. I'll know the next step. I'll know what to do. If it's meant to be in the world, it will be in the world. So with the first me taking action, but taking action from that space rather than the space of this has yeah. to get out there, you know? Of course. What other words would you use as synonyms for creativity? Hmm. Since it shows up for different people in different contexts. Yeah, yeah it's a great it's a great question. Um, flow, generosity is coming up, kindness. Yeah, it, it just, it, it feels like love. It, it feels like an expression of love. Mm. You know, one of the, the original reasons that I even created this series, and I think I mentioned this to you, was because there's so much talk now about the need for creativity and ingenuity and innovation and new ways to problem solve. But as soon as you get to an individual and say, are you creative? They say, oh, no, I can't paint. You know, I don't sing, and they're, they back off from it. But there are so many different expressions of creativity that I think it's really important to acknowledge them because, yes, it is an example of love and how, how what we're made of is that generosity, that giving, that abundance. It shows up differently in a different world, in a business context. If you're on the board of an organization, if you are a parent, if you are a chef, if you are a musician, all of those aspects, even what you have for breakfast in the morning or what you wear in the morning or how many times you change your clothes because you just, you're following an impulse to do something differently. As you were saying, when you talk about who we already are and what our innate capacities are, that is really important to emphasize, A, that we've got it, and B, that it shows up differently. So I may spend my time painting, but what about when I'm writing? Is it the same process? Is it different? Are the same things that get in the way, which I think they do, Mm -hmm. no matter what we put our hands and heart to, the things that get in the way are always the same. It's just sounds a little bit different and it's tweaked to a different context. Yeah. Yeah. I I love what you're saying, Nina. It's, it's bringing up so much for me because to just hear the word creativity, one would think, I mean, what comes up for me is just like you said, painting, or it feels like it's something tactile, right? Right. Right. And, and it's not involve a brush and paint. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or decorating or something like that. And it's an expression of who we are. That's what creativity is. It's just an expression of who we are. And it's going to show up differently for everyone. Like I would never think to myself, oh, this program came from creativity. Well, of course it did. But it looks like at face value if we're just looking at something logically like, oh, I wrote a program you know, instead of, wow, this came from creativity. Like I look at, at our weekends and they've evolved. They've changed. We've been doing them for about four years now and they have completely shifted. We've, we've done two days, three days, four days. They've had different formats and, and it just keeps evolving and changing. And that's why people say, well, would it make sense to come again? And we always say, yes, because it's going to be different. It's going to show up yeah. the way that the energy of the, the situation is flowing in that moment. That's how it's going to show up. That's creativity. It's allowing this energy, this natural flow to express itself through us and knowing that that is more than enough, that that is everything that we could ask for is to let this creative genius that that comes from the universe or from God, whatever you want to call it, let that be our guide, you know, let that take over. That's the juicy stuff. And, and I think unless we have this conversation, we don't know that. We think creativity is, you know, like I said, something more tactile. I wish everybody knew this. Me too. We'd be, ha- <laughs> we'd be happier. We wouldn't be so weighed down. We would be able to realize that, you know, at a certain point, I think words just lose their meaning because they're all pointing back to something that we have and that the world is made out of this infinite creative potential, this in the moment responsiveness, you know, trees respond to the wind, trees respond to other trees, trees respond to their whole root system and that process of communication that they have. And everything that that's just a minor example but there are so many things in the world that are showing us we've got this too we have this kind of responsiveness we have this kind of flexibility and and this ability to shift gears and pivot to do what needs to be done and it's just to me it 
I just think we, if we all understood that, we wouldn't, A, we wouldn't take ourselves so seriously, and B, we'd be able to connect with each other on a much deeper level, not a judgmental comparison, uh, you know, how are they doing compared to how am I doing, but much more collaborative and co-creative and co-elevating. Whoa, I love that. All, all of those words, it's funny, it just reminded me, I was talking to a client yesterday and, and she's single at the moment. And you know, she was talking about meeting someone new and we had gotten to a conversation about it, but everything that you said, that's, that's relationship. You know, we, we want to have a relationship that's collaborative, not one grabbing from the other, you know, you're my oxygen tank kind of thing, but this collaborative, co-creative, co-elevating, is that what you said? That's phenomenal. That's what, what we want in relationship. And exactly what you were saying, if, if everyone knew this, we, we wouldn't be fighting to be right. You know, we wouldn't be fighting to have to have our opinion be the right opinion. And we would be okay with allowing others to express themselves in any form they feel is, is their natural expression. You know, we would be okay with diversity. It's like all these things that, that just make the world even more and more delicious. Mm -hmm. If we all knew that's what makes the world delicious, we wouldn't have a problem with somebody else's expression of creativity. Yeah, that is, is beautifully said. As you were speaking, I was thinking about how often people see themselves as inadequate. I could never do that, or no, I don't have any aptitude for that. But how do you know before you even try it? You know, and and you can. There are so many stories of scientists and educators and uh, people who are coming up with new ideas who had to go through a process of this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, but they have the thing in them that will lead them to what does work yeah, or to the source that they can take their next step from. And we, we forget that so much. We have such a culture of inadequacy and the need yeah. for personal development and self-improvement. But what yeah. if we didn't? What if we didn't need that? What if we already had it within us? We just didn't know. Nina, I cannot tell you how many times I say to myself, I can't run a business. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, I, I better get to know what I'm doing because I'm doing it. I, I don't think I'm doing it so well, but I'm doing it, you know, but again, that's me judging myself. But to bring it back to what you were saying was that I had all these stories. I can't tell you how many times I thought, oh gosh, it would just be easier to go work for someone. And there was just something saying, nope, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. And I had all these silly stories in my head about, I mean, silly things like QuickBooks and, you know, figuring yeah. out even, even with, you know, with this program, with the different platforms that, that you actually build your programs on. Oh my God, I can't tell you how many times I thought, oh, I have to hire somebody. And then one day I'm like, you know what? I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do this myself. And I did. It was not something that I was like, yay, can't wait to do this. But once I got into it, I realized, oh, wait a second, this is built for dummies. <laughs> you know, I can do this. And if I need help, there's a hotline I can call for help. So, you know, to bring it back to your point, we do get in our heads about what we can and can't do. Yeah. And so much is possible when, when we question that, when we just get curious about, is that really true? Most of the time, it's just not true. And the beauty of it is, is that there's help if we need it. And if something doesn't feel fun to do, like I don't do my own taxes, I hire somebody to do my taxes because that doesn't feel fun to do and I don't have the mind for it. But the things that, that were, I can remember those doubtful moments and thinking like, oh, it would just be easier to go and work for somebody. I, I've had plenty of those moments. That's just a story. You know, that's just a story. I can run a business and I do run a business and things seem to work themselves out beautifully. And, you know, it's not always easy. And I'm very lucky I have a partner that I can rely on and bounce things off of. That was something, a big story that I had in my head. And, you know, and I had said to, you know, my partner, my husband many times, like, oh, wouldn't it be easier? And probably give me a little knock on the head and say, you know, you're doing great. You're doing great. But yeah, I've had those stories myself and they still pop up every once in a while. But what's been different now is because I have gone through the experiment of actually doing things that I didn't think I could do. Now I know I can. And now I know I made that up. And now I also know if something just doesn't feel like it's something I want to do, I can ask for help. It's the simple things, isn't it, yeah. that are so life-changing? Yeah. 
I can't tell you how many times it's either happened to me or I've heard people talk about this, that they were absolutely convinced that they couldn't do something and that they didn't like it. So an example for me fairly recently was, I am not a technophobe, but it doesn't come naturally. There were a bunch of things that I was uh, had to learn, no, I didn't have to learn it, but I wanted to learn it myself, you know, with, with podcasting and, and making YouTube videos and that sort of thing. And, you know, of course, the easy thing would be just to pass it on to somebody. You do it for me. And okay, I'll be done with it. And then I have more time. But there was something in me that said, I bet you could figure this out yourself. And of course, I did have to have help. But once I had somebody showing me And actually, they were showing me a process, but what was even the more interesting part of the process was I realized I could do it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and I I didn't know that. It was like higher math. I didn't think I could do it. But with this situation, I not only realized by doing it that I could do it, but I actually liked doing it. And that threw me for a loop because... I had convinced myself that I didn't like it mm-hmm. when it was really that I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't like not knowing what I was doing. But once I found out, oh my gosh, it was like, oh, I, I, I do. I can't really say it's an aptitude, but it's a, I can. It's some kind of facility. And I think that's true. Cooking, snowshoeing, mm-hmm. climbing mountains, creating companies, writing programs. It's the same thing. We just tell ourselves these stories that we can't or logically it doesn't make sense or it isn't efficient or, you know, we just cut ourselves off and what a shame. But how cool when we don't. Yes, how cool when we don't. That's the best part. Yeah. I would agree. We're, we're amazing creatures when we pay attention, for sure. I mean, we're just amazing to begin with. But when we really pay attention, we there's so much that we're capable of. Yeah. God bless all of those school counselors who tell us, well, you don't really have the aptitude for this, or you really shouldn't go in this direction. You should be an accountant, or you should go into business, you know, something logical and predictable and steady. People think that something that is steady and very much in a box is going to be the thing that's going to make our hearts sing and make us happy to get up in the morning. But I don't know. Do you think that's true? It's not true for me. It's not true for me. And there are times when I get in my head and I get scared, feel insecure, where that looks tempting. The the nudge inside of me is so much greater to express my creativity through my own creation through shift happens, through spread happy. That nudge is so much greater than my scary moments of, you know, the 401k plan, right? (laughs) Right. It it just is. And I have those scary moments. I really do. I know that it's not coming from source. I know it's not coming from, you know, mind. I know it's coming from my personal thinking, just getting scared and looking real to me. But yeah, the the other, the nudge to just continue is so much greater, even though there's times when it's definitely scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's another question, which is about feelings, the feelings that come up, whether we're telling ourselves a story or it's they're just coming up without our being conscious of whatever story we're spinning in our heads. It seems to me, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this, that part of, I was almost going to say being creative is being alive, and I just said it, so (laughs) we'll go with it, is that if we are more open to feeling the feelings that come up, but not assigning them any validity, not taking them as a shutdown, or not taking them as a sign that we shouldn't be doing something, that if we just allow them to move through us, just the way we allow the wind to move through us or through our hair, that if we are able to do that, just to let the feelings be what they are and move through our bodies and keep going, that that will take us a lot farther than if we stop to analyze what does this feeling mean? And is this about what I'm doing? Or is this about some ex- my personal history? What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Get out of the mess. 
anytime we get into the details of a situation, we're looking in the wrong direction. You know, I say it feels like going down the rabbit hole. So when I'm working with the client and that, that starts to propel, I'm like, oh, wait, don't go down the rabbit hole. Stay away from the rabbit hole. Let's go above the maze. That's my, that's what works for me is stay above the maze, stay above the maze because the details will naturally get sorted as we stay above the maze, as we listen to our creativity. And like you said, just allow that scary, feels like the right word, allow those scary, uncomfortable feelings to just pass through us and not attach to them. They can pass through us without us being attached to them. And that's what it feels like to me. When we get attached, we want to analyze every detail. And again, that's down the rabbit hole, wrong direction. Still to this day, you know, I have those moments. I wake up in the morning and my head starts moving really quickly. The thoughts in my head start moving really quickly. And the difference is, even though I still I feel them. I know they're there because we feel our thinking. So I feel if they're yucky, busy thoughts, the difference is I know I cannot trust it. I know that it's coming from my, as you say, monkey mind. I know that it's not a reliable source. And I know that naturally I'll sort of pop back, you know, I'll wake up, I'll, I'll mm. pop back into this, this creative flow. Um, I don't have to do anything. Sometimes what feels right is to just go for a walk because I love to go for a walk in the morning and that's super helpful. But I also know it's not the walk. I also know that naturally I will pop back. I'll wake up. What looked so scary just won't have the weight that it had when I was in a sort of lower state of mind or insecure Mm. state of mind. So in this context, how would you describe the difference between thinking and knowing? Hmm. Well, thinking feels like a lot of busy work to me. Uh I don't enjoy it. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Knowing feels very flowing and easy. And does it come from the same place? Do you think? I don't feel as though it does. Like, like, for instance, I get annoyed when I have to think too much. So for instance, I might have to think about my taxes, right? I don't enjoy that. I know I have to do it. Like, I know I have got to, you know, there's certain things that, that need to be put in place and I need to have ready for my accountant. Mm-hmm. That takes thinking. That's not fun for me. Knowing is just a, a movement. It's like this, you know, even if the knowing involves me having to do something that I don't enjoy, it's coming from a different place. <laughs> it's just coming from a different place. And even though, like I said, it, so for me, it would be building a program. Not super fun for me. Like I, I'm like you, I'm not a technophobe, but it's not one of my favorite things to do. But once I get into it, I actually enjoy it. Like I remember the first online program that I built. Once I got into it, I was actually having fun with it because it was coming through me. It was coming from love. It was something that that we created that, you know, Lee and I, my husband and I created together. So the technical stuff that I don't enjoy doing, I did it anyway, even though I don't enjoy it. But once I got into it, it really felt like it was coming from love because, you know, it wasn't taxes. It was, you know, shift happens. It was our, our gift, our creativity being brought to life on a, a cyber platform. So there was a difference. I think so too. I think that there is a, for me, the concept of knowing comes from more of a gut sense, more of an inner yes. And there's not too much drama with it. The thinking part is usually the obstacles. Well, it can't be done because of this, or I'll have to do this. And I'm already imagining some future. And I'm not in any way bashing thinking that comes in service of that inspiration or that creativity. And it could be creating a spreadsheet, you know, it could be something that's very analytical or sequential. But if it has some some life to it, it's coming from a place of what else is possible? What else can I see in here? What happens if I manipulate this? You know, and for people who are in um, business context, when they're doing strategic planning or business planning of some kind, there has to be some kind of putting the pieces together. But when it's, I think anyway, when it's informed by something that is alive, that is moving through us, I'm going to do these things in order to get this creation into the world, that it has a whole different feeling quality to it. Yes, I would agree. It has a completely different feel to it. It it feels fun. It feels um, there's an excitement underneath it. There's, 
there's like a drive. Uh, yeah, there's there's an energy behind it that has it a good feeling to it. Yeah. It just has a good feeling, even if it is strategic planning. If it's something that that you love, you know, that you're creating, has a very different feel than something that you're being forced to do because you should do this. You yeah. Know? Sometimes there's a tendency uh, to think that okay, well, thinking is bad, but it isn't when it's got that sense of aliveness that is bringing forth new thinking, you know, that is bringing forth that question of what else is possible? What else could we do here? Looking at it in a different way and seeing things differently is that can make all the difference in the world, no matter what it is you're doing. I think the worst thing, line from the poet, uh, that we live lives of quiet desperation, mm-hmm. it, that happens when we forget, when we start living by rote, same get up at the same time every morning. We have the same breakfast. We go, when we did go to work, we'd go yes. to the same direction. And we'd know exactly, you know, on Monday, I'm going to wear these clothes. Tuesday, I'm going to wear this. And, you know, everything is planned out. Where's life? You know, yeah. I, although on one hand, even that is, that is a form of creativity because we are putting pieces together. But what if we just were less under its control of the predictable and the known? Yeah, this illusion that, well, I'm going to work really hard until I'm 65 and then I'm going to have fun. I know people that are of that. Of course, we all do. We know people that are of that mindset that just work themselves to the bone so that they can create what they think is a secure future. And, you know, we all know, I mean, look at COVID. We make up security. We make it up. You know, we make up that there's a number in our bank account that means security. We, We make up that a relationship has to look a certain way for us to feel secure. None of that is true. It seems to me that it would make sense to have fun in every moment, given that we make up this idea of security. You know, of, of course, we, we want to have fun, have, have a practical, a sensible aspect to that. So if it makes sense to put X amount away a month, or it makes sense to buy an investment property, like all those things, of course, they make sense. And what doesn't seem to make sense to me is to put your happiness, peace of mind, creativity Mm -hmm. on the back burner in order to, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. I'm, you're, you're preaching to the choir on that one with me. I think you're, you're spot on with that. Or, or people who take a job that they don't like, and they'll just say, well, until I'm going to make this much money, and then I'll do something else. Sometimes that's out of necessity, or at least a perceived sense of necessity, right? But what, what, what's the cost of living that way? To me, the cost is, is peace of mind, happiness, again, creativity, yeah. could cost you relationships. I mean, and again, when it, there are times when it makes sense, okay, I have to pay bills, this is in front of me, you know, so this is what I'm going to do in order to pay the bills. Do that, the ability for what it makes sense to you. So meaning don't kill yourself doing it, do your job. And the rest of the time, keep your eye on what it is that you want. Because the more you keep your eye on what it is that you want, while enjoying the aspects of the job that maybe you don't like so much, but finding what it is that you like about that job. So keeping yourself feeling good as best you can with your eye on what it is that you want, you'll have so much of a greater chance of creating a space to bring more of that into your life. Things seem to have a way of flowing when when we can... And again, so much has to do with how we look at things. When we can look at a situation like that as opportunity for growth or as opportunity to have a stepping stool or as opportunity to, you know, keep food on my table, whatever it is. So much has to do with what we're allowing to flow through and where we're. And also, I think it goes back to what you started off with when you were talking about your programs, making sure we really begin to start to get a sense of what we already have going for us. Yeah, what's what's innately within Mm. us. What yeah. we are already working with that a lot of times we're just not aware of. We, we wouldn't, unless we have this conversation, we're probably not aware of it. Yeah. Again, like you said in the beginning, we believe that we're victims in life, that life's happening to us instead of for us. Yeah, I'm done with that one. That, and it goes back again to what you were mentioning earlier in our conversation about freedom, to have that sense of inner freedom that 
maybe not everything in this world is possible for us to achieve or accomplish, but we do not have a clue how far we can get when we pursue what we're interested in and what kind of help will come out of the blue when we're focused on chi. What would it be like? Wouldn't it be cool? Let's see what would happen. You know, yeah. not having a lot on it, but just thinking, why not? Yeah. I've seen so much of that. I'm involved in a project right now called, called the Wise Mind Project. And we're in the, um, the Broward County School District in Fort Lauderdale. And the woman who was, was the spearheader of it, who spearheaded it, I was just talking to her earlier today. She's just amazing. And she literally just saw stuff that she didn't like in her kid's middle school class. Like she saw that there was sort of no connection. And she saw that if these kids had a better understanding of mindfulness, they would have an easier time at, mm -hmm. you know, in school. And, and she just marched in one day and said to the teacher, you know, I teach mindfulness. Could I come in? Can I volunteer my time? Literally just went in and volunteered and the program has blown up. I mean, now we're accredited with the Broward County school system, which is like unheard of within a year, you know, that, that just came from nothing other than a mom wanting to make a difference in her boys classrooms. It took a life of its own. That's it. It's just listening to our wisdom without having anything on it. I love what you said. Just without having anything on it, just doing it because it feels right. Yeah. And then you'll figure it out. You'll, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out how or, or the, the what or the why. It doesn't matter. You, it will be shown. The way will be shown. The way will be shown. What a great story. Oh, my God. Just amazing. Just amazing. Wonderful. Yeah. You we just don't know what's possible until we start to take that first step and then the next step and then the next step. Yeah, it's always here for us. It's just a matter of listening and paying yeah, attention. Absolutely. And I hope everyone who's listening to that understanding, this understanding begins to just question their own lives a little bit. Maybe me too. What would that be like? Yeah, just listen to the nudge. Listen to the nudge. That <laughs> nudge has got a lot of information in it. <laughs> <laughs> sure does. Well, I think we are coming to the end of our time on this call together. And it really has been such a sweet pleasure to have you on the call. Can you tell us what you're up to now? And maybe we didn't include earlier and where people can find you. Well, you can find us at our website, which uh, spreadhappy.net. You can also go to shift happensconsulting.com, whichever one you can remember. We have lots of fun things. I'm involved uh, with, with a colleague of mine, Dell Lady Jones. We do a women's well-being mastermind. Um, this is our third run of it. It was something that we started during COVID. It was just one of those, I always wanted to do a women's group. I had done women's groups in person before. And when COVID happened, we said, well, let's bring this online. So that's a really fun program, which we run. Um, this is our third time. So it looks like it's going to run at least three times a year. And um, we have our shift happens programs for uh, adults. Our next retreat is in Naples, Florida, fingers crossed in May that it will be in person. <laughs> and we have online programming for, for teens and also for adults. We are just out and about in the world, mostly in cyberspace at the moment. We do personal coaching and business coaching and whatever seems to show up in the moment that feels good. So <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, I wish you continued you. success and happiness since that's your theme. Thank you. Well, thank you for thank this you. podcast. I love the, the theme of the podcast is just oh, well. feels so open and flowing and beautiful. So thank you for bringing this to the world. Well, you know? thank you. Thank you. It is such a joy. And there's always something we discover new in the process. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening and stay tuned for our next episode. Bye for now.